This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 10th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. People who recognize the merits of capitalism over other means of allocating resources sometimes turn sheepish when asked to make a moral defense of free markets and private property. A new book produced by Students for Liberty and the Atlas Economic Research Foundation aims to change that. Morality of Capitalism is edited by Cato Senior Fellow Tom Palmer. One of the things that's quite striking is when you look at criticisms of the market, in many cases what they're complaining about is interventionism and cronyism, not really capitalism. And that's a very important distinction to make. Not everything that happens in the world should be blamed on capitalism, if you will. Uh, These, the financial crisis in particular, is just quite evidently a failure of interventionism, trying to steer the market and it ended up going off the rails. And now markets are trying to correct themselves and governments are struggling to not allow that to happen with more stimulus and trying to pump up uh, property prices and so on. Uh, After all of this uh, has become clear, it's really time for us to go on the offensive for free market capitalism. It's not responsible for the policies of the Federal Reserve or for the federal government or for the deliberate pumping up of an asset bubble in real estate and then poisoning the world financial system as happened uh, through the Basel Accords. And by the way, a great book that Cato published on this is uh, Johann Norberg's uh, Financial Fiasco. It's very clear, excellent, outstanding diagnosis. Uh, I wish more policymakers would read it. On the moral level, though, we need to take the offensive and make the case for capitalism. That's what this book, The Morality of Capitalism, is about. Even people who recognize the benefits of capitalism through efficiency uh, are often very sheepish in defending capitalism as uh, a moral way of getting things done. Well, I think it's partly because uh, capitalism has been identified exclusively somehow with self-interest as though the defining feature of a capitalist uh, economic system is people pursue their self-interest. Well, the fact is people pursue their self-interest under socialism and interventionism and fascism and communism and tribalism under every system. It's, it's omnipresent. So that's not a distinguishing characteristic of capitalism. What distinguishes capitalism is a legal and moral relationship among persons, that people have the right to pursue their dream. They have the right to do what they want with what is legitimately theirs under a system of the rule of law and equality before the law for everybody, not privileges for some, or some have special powers as planners and dictators and so on. But all of us meet in society as moral and legal equals, and we trade and we exchange. The outcome of that is morally just. And it's not just that it's more productive. We get more potato chips or we get iPhones or we get things like that. Those are great. I'm all in favor of uh, better nutrition. Uh, I'm all in favor of Whole Foods uh, selling organic foods. I'm all in favor of iPhones. But at its base, people have a right to exchange They have a right to transact freely. And the state or all of the self-appointed planners don't have a right to tell them otherwise. So what we're making the case for is the morality, the justice, and one step beyond the goodness of free market capitalism. There is a dichotomy that a lot of people draw between uh, cooperation and the nasty, brutal process of competition that uh, they say exists in in the marketplace. And there are losers in in any uh, range of uh, time uh, in the marketplace. 
Well, typically, I think what you have is people who don't gain as much as others. Uh, in the market economy, when we talk about the competition, people are competing in order to cooperate with you as a customer, as a supplier. Uh, it's competition for the purposes of cooperation. All social systems have competition. Uh, interventionist systems, people compete to get on top. People compete in politics. People compete for all sorts of things, for love, for honor. This is just a natural feature of human life. Under capitalism, competition is directed towards constructive, peaceful cooperation. And that is what distinguishes it. Under socialism, when you compete, if you win, I definitely lose. And under the most extreme forms, I go to the gulag. That's competition, if you will. That's real cutthroat competition. Under the market economy, which is often described with these violent, brutal terms about brutal competition or cutthroat competition or dog-eat-dog competition, what happens? Well, I shop at Safeway or I shop at uh, a giant or I shop at Whole Foods, okay? One of those companies gets my business. But the other ones aren't taken out and shot. Uh, they don't suffer in that way. If they don't do a good job of attracting me as a customer, they lose money. That's a very powerful signal to induce people to offer better services and to improve. So uh, it's, again, not the case there's more competition or less competition. Competition is also omnipresent in human behavior. It's what is the competition framed by, by the rule of law, such that people compete in order to be able to cooperate with one another. That's capitalism. Or socialist competition in which I elbow you out of the long queue, the waiting list to get uh, goodies. Under socialized medicine, everyone's waiting in the long queue and people jockey to get to the head of the queue. Oddly enough, politicians don't go to the back of the line under socialized medical systems. Somehow, miraculously, they're always at the head of the line, as are powerful people, articulate people. The people at the back of the line are the people who can't really compete as well under those rules. They get uh, the short end of the stick. So the competition in a market, free market capitalist system is people competing to cooperate. That's a great essay in the book edited that was a uh, there's a great essay in the book that was written by David Bose on exactly this issue. It makes the point clearly and concisely. People who make moral arguments in opposition to capitalism uh, in many cases are focusing their energies on the benefits that accrue to the people who produce uh, the goods and services that uh, we as consumers buy and are, are focused on the profit itself as ill-gotten. Well, of course, a lot of profits in the world are ill-gotten. This is something that's important to keep in mind. If you go to really poor, uh, legally underdeveloped countries and you meet rich people, there's a pretty good chance they're criminals. They're the friends of the president. They're cronies. They get all kinds of privileges from the state. Throughout most of human history, that's been the case, that rich people generally are rich because they took it from somebody. The feudal uh, lords with their castles and so on. These were robbers. It's only under capitalism that it's an expectation that if you meet someone who's wealthy, they're not criminals. They made something. They produced something for other people. That's how you get rich under the market system is by satisfying the needs and desires of other people. So some people complain about wealth, but they have this model of a pre-capitalist 
mode of accumulation that was based on theft. And indeed, in much of the world today, when you see the rich person in the fancy car, you have a pretty good sense he's a crony. He is a criminal. Under capitalism, we don't have that expectation anymore. But secondarily, there are some people who would rather everyone be equally poor, or they'll say, well, we'll only allow an increase in living standards if everyone becomes richer at the same rate. This ain't going to happen. The fact of the matter is that ballpoint pens, when they first came out, were considered a luxury of the rich. Now, everyone can have a ballpoint pen. When all of these wonderful new devices came out, typically the first buyers are the rich. They're subsidizing all the rest of us uh, by doing so. But those wonderful benefits are made available to all the rest of us a little bit later. Hey, I can live with that. I'd rather have that system than one in which everyone muddles along equally poor for a long time. But the last point is that system doesn't exist either. When someone has the power to determine how much people will have or make, you can rest assured that person will use that power to get more than anyone else. This is one of the things that George Orwell put so well in his Animal Farm, that all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others under socialism. We did see tremendous income inequalities under all systems of socialism. It's not the case that capitalism generates inequality. It tends to generate a far more equal distribution of wealth by generating large middle classes and raising up the poorest members of society. Who has contributed to this book? Well, we have really a very diverse group of authors. It was a lot of fun to work with these people. We have uh, short pieces uh, that are easy to consume, that are journalistic. We have longer, somewhat more scholarly pieces. There's a little bit of something for everybody uh, that I think could benefit from this. We have two Nobel laureates, uh, Vernon Smith in economics and Mario Vargas Llosa in uh, literature. He's the 2010 Nobel laureate in literature. We have writers from Africa, uh, Temba Nolotshunga and June Arunga, writing from an African perspective that real free trade means equal access to the market for everyone, not special companies that get concessions from the government. But Africans should be liberated to compete in the free market along with everyone else. Uh, Mao Yusha in China wrote a wonderful, really interesting piece on the morality of free market exchange, drawing on Chinese literature and Chinese examples. Elead Nikonov, who is a philosopher in Russia, wrote a very good piece on the logic of equality. So that was translated from Russian, and the Mao Yusha's piece we translated from Chinese. So it's a very diverse group. We have economists, we have philosophers, we have uh, uh, journalists and policy analysts and pundits and uh, novelists. Uh, there's something for everyone in this book. Tom Palmer is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and editor of The Morality of Capitalism. You can get your copy at studentsforliberty.org. You can read more on the virtues of free exchange and private property at our website, cato.org.